Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, everyone? We are excited to bring you season two of the Triple Threat podcast. In our first episode, we have Mike Hostelo. That's H-O-S-T-I-L-O. Mike is a former student athlete turned successful businessman in the area of law. We had an interesting conversation about athletics, the past, present, and the future. I find it exciting to share stories of former student athletes that have transitioned into business. Coming up next is Mike Hostelo. Let's get into the interview. Yeah, how you doing? I'm wonderful. Good, no, I'm, I'm... good. I'm not gonna take up too much of your time. I know you know you're busy. No, no, but... I just gotta pick up my daughter at three. I'm good. For sure, for sure. All right. Um, well, we get started. Um, first, I want to say thanks for having you know thanks for coming on, and being a part of um, Triple Threat. This will be our first podcast of the upcoming year. So hopefully, um, not our last. No, not not the last. Definitely not. No, sir. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, but I, I want to kind of just go into our conversation where we had earlier, you know, when we first met talking about sports, yes, the whole thing about our podcast is, um, we try to talk to businesses, entrepreneurs, student athletes, just talk about the whole sports things, right? And you're a big sports guy. So yes, sir. Um, it's perfect for what we got, what we're talking about. Um, so Mike, I know we talked about it earlier, but for the audience, take us back a little bit, um, your parks and rival days where you grew up. And how how was the recreation programs and all the other stuff? Take us back to those things. Um, well, I moved to South Carolina when I was uh, in the seventh grade mm -hmm. uh, to Beaufort, South Carolina, specifically. My dad was a Marine, or is still right. is a Marine. Um, and I started. Uh, we I grew up in a neighborhood called Laurel Bay, South Carolina. It's a military uh, base, for lack of a better term. And um, started playing youth sports there. Uh, played church league basketball. Um, played little league baseball and played, uh, I guess it was pop Warner football Yeah, yeah. and, uh, started in the seventh grade there. And that went up through high school. Good, good. So what are some of the programs that you played in? Like what, what caused the interest in sports where, where your, your dad was someone in the community? Cause that's what we all talked to, you know, people about, about getting that groundwork in their community. The parks was a thing for them. Um, what, what. What, what support you had during that time in your early years of, of development in sports? So, so sports has always been sort of the, the connection point between my dad and I. Um, right. My dad is from Georgia. And so we were always sports fans. And then obviously we were very proud this year that our Georgia Bulldogs mm -hmm. won the college football playoff. And so For we sure. got to go to that game and had a very great time at that. So that was always a connection point. And growing up a military brat, Right. Um, we traveled all over the place and it was just something we did, you know, in, in military communities, it was really important for uh, the parents and the kids to be involved in youth sports. So, I, you know, from the time I was five playing t-ball to the first time I played in a basketball league to, you know, pop Warner football at 10, it just was sort of a natural connection and all the parents Moms and dads right. were always involved with with our youth sports, and then that would graduate up through up to high school. Right, and that's the segue into my next question. And we had a, a very intense conversation in Panera about high school basketball and about the level of um, competition in this area. We'll get to that in a second. But okay, take me take me take me through high school that young Mike as eighth grader going into 
high school. What were your thoughts as an eighth grader? What, what made, your, made your choice in certain school? Was it academic? Was it sports? Take us back from eighth grade year, summer going into ninth grade. What school in, in the area? I went to Battery Creek High School, the Dolphins. Um, we, uh, that was just a school that was, we were district two when I lived in Laurel Bay. And uh -huh. um, I started playing uh, sports there. I was, eight, I was lucky enough to make the varsity baseball team as a ninth grader and played four years of varsity baseball. I played JV basketball, JV football. And it was just, again, it was just a, something you, do, you did to stay out of trouble. Not For that sure. I was really getting into trouble. There weren't For any sure. mean streets of, of Laurel Bay or Buford, but it was something that all my friends did. And it, you know, it started from pickup basketball games in my front yard to down the street to playing flag football or, you know, touch football in the, in the street to, you know, yard baseball. For so sure. it was, so Batter Creek was just a school that I, um, because of the military families, that's where we were district. And, right. um, I went to school with a lot of local guys and then um, played, you know, sports at all three levels up to the varsity level and all three levels, baseball, basketball, and football. Right. And we talked again, we talked just about the whole support system because um, you, you know, would have loved to get a scholarship playing baseball, right? That right, right, sure. That you would, you would love to do. T talk about your thought process. And again, the support system that if you have or didn't have, as a high school student, like where, where were some of the things that you were missing in order to get to that next level of playing uh, baseball collegiately? Um, probably, uh, I, I will say a couple of things in the negative light. I won't, I don't want to take shots at my dad. He's been a perfect dude and my best friend, but um, I remember I didn't discover, we didn't, we weren't unable to discover that I had bad eyes until I got off mm. into my adulthood and was about to go in the Marine Corps myself. And had I probably had the foresight to go get my eyes checked, I would have probably been a better hitter, but at least we're going to blame it on that. <laughs> but, and then I, I don't know. I mean, uh, one story that we talked about when we met was, was how a lot of our coaches and in, in our, 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 our people, you know, our infrastructure, the coaches would take every day I would ride with, you know, occasionally or not every day, but, ride with the coaches to take guys home right because right. Beaufort County was a very rural area I don't know if I'm answering my your question yeah, properly yeah, yeah, yeah continue and um you know Beaufort is a very spread out county and we had kids that be if not for our coaches and not for other uh, adults to volunteer to take guys home after school you know communities like uh um you know Dale, Labico, right. Gardens Corner, which adjoins Abutts, Charleston. Sure. Um, you know, they they were 20, 30 mile rides to get from Batter Creek High School. And if it if you know the 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 adults hadn't taken that initiative to get, get the guys home, they wouldn't have played. For sure. And that was um I remember Coach Stroman and Coach my football coach and Coach Rumble, my basketball coach, that was a big thing that we did that, you know, as a, as a team to get kids involved in, um, you know, I, I, I still, I have fond memories of that. That was a good, those are, those are long days, but good times. Right. And sports does that for us. Hey, what's up guys. In our timeout session today, we got Thaddeus big baby Delaney. Let's hear all about it. And you can't help. Being the city, it's, it's seven to one down there. Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> that's a, that's another that's another story. But you know, me as me being a, a high senior, senior in high school, and um, you know, we I got to school that day, and it was like, man, we about to we about to watch this Wake Forest and cause a Charleston game, and they about to mm -hmm. like I can't go to math my like eighth period. I'm like, dude, <laughs> said I'm already on the line of not playing this year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My grades is shot. Y'all talk about cutting down schools so and watch the game. Okay. Right. But um, we watched the game, man. And listen, I tell you, bro, you know, I was heavily recruited. I didn't have no schools at that time, but I was still heavily recruited. And mm -hmm. um, man, I saw you gave Tim Duncan the business. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I mean, at that time, local colleges wasn't on TV like that. 
You know what I'm saying? No. Like we had to go. We had to see. We had to see other colleges, Clemson, USC, play on on J, JP Sports and other you know other stations like that. But NCAA, they kind of give us some, some some local love. So now I got that, and I saw that like man. I'm like, where's the cause of Charleston? I'm like, it's right there. Like, I didn't even, it wasn't even adapted to me. But, man, y'all showed out. Y'all put us on the map. So that led to my decision making. So, you know, every segue into that part of it, tell us about, you know, some of those, your experience at, at, at the cause of Charleston. Like, I mean, we have, we, we share big wins together. But give me some, some experiences where, you know, like, like, you're glad you, you, you made a decision. Now let's get back to the interview. Uh, and we talked about, you know, a lot of my guests talk about the support system and people that they had to help them get through um, the rec life and the high school life. Um, for the audience, what, what are some things that you learned being a high school athlete just from, uh, and how do you apply it to, to your everyday life now? What are some things you learned in high school just from competing with peers, um, the adversity, things you had to go through, different sports? Tell us some things that, um, that you've learned through high school sports that helped you be successful. Discipline, structure, um, challenge, fear, overcoming fear. I, I remember that uh, in, in when I was, an, uh, you know, uh, aspiring basketball for the record was my favorite of the three sports, but I was probably the least talented, you know, cause I was uh, vertically challenged and uh, I didn't have the, the, you know, the most, the, the highest jumping ability or speed, but I loved it the most. Right. And I loved to play. And it, was, and it was a game that you could play all the time, right? It was, right. you could just get some buddies. You could play with one guy in your front yard, or you could go down to the park and play with a bunch of guys, or you can go to a gym. And one of the things that, that I used to do, we used to do is when I was an aspiring high school basketball players, we would go up to Paris Island, which mm. is the Marine base. For sure. And we were 14, 15, 16, 17 years old competing against Marines that were 19 to 20, who knows how old they were. Right. And they were bigger, faster, stronger. They were men and we were boys. But I mean, just, just the life, just the routines that were, that, that sports set you up into, right? Right. You know, doing ball handling drills to to jump and rope to shooting free throws. And I mean, my dad would say and my the biggest fight my parents had was when it was growing up in Laurel Bay, South Carolina, is my dad would always make me during basketball season, make 10 free throws in a row in the front yard. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't it wasn't the most sophisticated rim or the best basketball. Right. And there was one particular night it was cold and it started to rain and my mom was like, bring my son in here. He needs to eat. And my dad said, no. And you know what? I'd get to seven and then I'd miss. And I'd start back over. Wow. And you know, if I hadn't have played sports, I don't think that I would have that discipline to carry over into going to college or going to law school. It, you know, it, it, and then, you know, so couple that with a Japanese mother and a Marine father. Right. So they're already got all that, For sure. that discipline and that drive, but then sports on top of which, and then the coaches too. You know, we showed up and, I, you know, my basketball coach in high school, we, we, we came in every day and there was a schedule, right? And you would, the first, you know, not, it was nine minutes and you stretch for nine minutes. And then it was 12 minutes of shooting free throws. It wasn't 15, it was 12. You know, it was nine, not 10, nine. Right. And then you would come into the gym and we would stretch. And if you, you laughed or you smiled, that was a suicide. Wow. Right. Wow. Or, wow. or that, if you didn't, that's a suicide. And right. so that, and, and so we knew that he wasn't messing around, right. That, you know, it was like, it was business and you'd have to show up on time. And um, I mean, I've got, I've got so many great stories of playing sports from, from T-ball to, you know, through high school and, you know, sports is a, a huge part of my life and get, cool. and that's what you and I connected on. And that level is when we met, um, you know, now that we're older and we have the, the, the opportunity to influence the younger generation, we want to do that through sports because exactly. there's a lot, a lot of other ways my life could have gone sure. if I wouldn't have gotten involved in sports. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for that. And there, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't have, that I don't think about sports. Right. I mean, right. the first thing I do in the morning is go to ESPN.com sure. and find out what, what sports stories are the hot story. Right. right? Right. And so 
I don't, I can't imagine my life without it. Right. And I want to piggyback, you know, what you said about that time, because I had a college coach, Coach John Cress. We had to be at right. meetings at 513, 527. Right. You, right. Can't be, you can't be late for those odd times. Right. You'd be late for 530 or 545, but at 523, just can't do it. Right. So, you know, going into, you know, your high school career, I know we talked about, tell, talk to the audience about your, your, your attempt to play collegiate baseball. Tell us about that story, your trip to college and how, what, how, how have that looked? What, what, what well, he, here's one thing that I, I think we touched on that. So we'll talk about it again. I was a, I was at best probably a division two, a division two player, maybe a low right. end division one player. And so I, my senior year, I was leading the County and hitting and, and I got letters at school and I would get letters at home. And there were a bunch of schools that quite honestly, I had, I had never heard of. And again, to mind you that my mom didn't go to college. My father didn't go to college. So we didn't really have the foundation to understand the landscape of what looking at colleges and going to college was for. Right. right. So, so I was just get I was flattered by, I was getting some letters from some schools to come talk to them. And so we, we started on this journey where we would travel the Southeast and go to these different little schools. And, and we went to some big, some division one schools that weren't very interested. I was more interested in them, but right. I remember one time we had gone to a school in South Georgia and I won't name the school, but we were driving back and my father, um, who isn't much for words, but when he says something, they're pretty profound, sure. looks over at me and goes, son, what in the hell are we doing this for? Mm. And he goes, I said, I want to play baseball. And right. he said, do you think you're good enough to play in the major leagues? And I said, no, sir. Mm. And he said, what in the bleep are we doing this for? <laughs> he goes, why don't you pick a school that you can get an education at? And then if baseball try out and if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but at least you can fall back on that education. For sure. And, and that was probably a great life lesson that, that, as an uneducated man, an uneducated jarhead, as they call Marines, was was one of the great statements he ever gave to me or great lessons he ever gave to me because I could have chased the dream. And I know some friends, some colleagues or, you know, guys that I competed against or played with that went and on and played college baseball. And when that didn't work out, they had nothing to fall back on. Right. Through if they got injured during school and then the scholarship was went away or academically they didn't qualify you know couldn't cut it and then the next thing you know they they dropped out right and I mean one of those life again not to digress but you know this whole transfer portal thing that's going on with college athletics is very fascinating so it is but um <clears throat> I but, hope that helps you what, yeah that helps a lot and I was going to say with all things have have caught up with information to families that's something we try to really be the soundboard and giving information to families on how to do these things. Here's the first step, second step, third, these things you got to do. So do you think, and not saying things would have been better or worse in your situation, because it's all fate, right? Do you think your execution, if you had a better plan exec execution of getting to a college would have been much more beneficial? Because it sounds like not just you, every family, they shoot in the dark. They just find different places of interest, but not really breaking down does this the system works for me? Is the coach system works for me? Is the, the the environment works for me? So, do you think if you had a better execution, a better plan, would it would you would have played collegially? Uh, I think if I would have like like what's different than what what you do and what the things that we didn't have thirty years thirty plus years ago is we didn't have information available to us, right? We didn't have the internet. We didn't have. I mean, again, I had just taken on. I don't even know how these schools, I guess they read the newspaper and saw that I was hitting 476. So they sent me a letter, right, I, right? They never got to see me play, right? Cause they're not gonna come to Buford, South Carolina and watch me play. Sure. And then number two, I didn't really have the means or the funds to go to a camp. I, I like went to like two camps and we talked about one of them being Citadel. Right. And I, that was more of a basketball camp for anything. Right. And I wasn't playing college basketball of anything. Right. And so I think today, it, you, you know, organizations like yours and and kids in general just have so much information at their disposal sure. and and what can happen is now that you know they got to research that we have to teach these kids that the goal 
I'll tell a story and I, I'm, he, I won't say his name, but there was a kid that was being recruited um, to play football at the University of Georgia, which is my beloved alma mater. And as much as we wanted him to play at Georgia, his, both his parents had gone to Georgia and his father played football at Georgia and was a friend of mine. And when this young man was looking at all the schools, he ended up choosing a school that was academically superior to Georgia. Mm. Probably and probably almost as good in football, has a very esteemed football tradition, is in the Midwest and wears gold, has gold helmets. I'll just leave sure. it at that. For sure. And he told us, his, his dad told me that, he said, Dad, this is not a four-year decision. This is a 40-year decision. Mm. Mm. And this yeah. guy is actually on the big board to be drafted the first round this year. So it's going to all work out for this young man. Sure. Sure. Because his foundation is great, and 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 the resources are there, and he's a five star athlete. But you know, ninety nine percent of us are not five star athletes. For sure, for sure. And ninety nine percent of us aren't going to play at any level. Be past college. For sure. Okay, I wasn't good enough to play in college. You were fortunate enough to to go beyond many steps of that. For so sure. I, I I just think the process now needs to be. Yes, obviously, if they're going to go play college basketball or some college sport. They want to be able to play, right. sure. They want to have a good time. But at the end of the day, they got to get that degree, right? Because sure. I think the stats are still don't lie. Only like 19% exactly. of the, the folks in the United States of America have a bachelor's degree. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right? I think it's still, I don't think it's changed much. Right. So, right. I mean, I think as you and I are passionate about this, passionate about kids, passionate about, you know, evoking change and creating opportunity is, is it's gotta, it's, you know, when we get them young, we've got to be able to explain to them that, Hey, this is an opportunity. Um, you know, not only it's a 40 year decision, not a four. Right. The most important message to get across to student athletes suffering from mental health issues is that you're not alone. Many student athletes deal with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and other mental health struggles. If this is the case, speak to someone like a counselor, a parent, a trusted adult, or your fellow teammate. Adults who are supporting a student athlete should be aware of the signs. A student athlete who is experiencing mental health difficulties might have constant fatigue, loss of appetite, mood swings, apathy, or even declining grades and or social isolation. A student athlete's mental health can be severely affected by an injury. An athlete's entire life becomes about their sport. And when they lose the ability to play, it can take a huge toll mentally. As we continue to reduce the stigma around mental health, hopefully more middle and high school level student athletes will feel confident discussing their health, whether it be mental or physical. The Triple Threat Podcast will be adding a psychology aspect in season two. We will be doing our part to help destigmatize mental health when it comes to student athletes. So subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform so you never miss an episode. Now let's get back to the interview. And, and I wanna go into the other, my other question about, cause we talked about it briefly. What are your, uh, what's your input and suggestions when it comes to recruiting out of the South Carolina area versus the Georgia area. Because we talked about it's a big drop when it comes to developing athletes here in South Carolina versus the North Carolina or Georgia. And I would say it's, it's, a, it's the pioneers, it's the supporting cast that came back and put a lot of things in the earth in those, in those, in those cities, in those states. But we do agree there's not the same here in South Carolina. And you mean in basketball or football? Um, I was saying basketball. I was saying football. I think is is, is is pretty good. I think we're top in football, but I think right. in basketball there's a little letdown when it comes to recruitment out of the state. 
I mean, but I, you, you, Jabella, I think you would be more, you know. Well, I'm talking about, because I know you talk about the different pro, the other program in Georgia that you help out a lot that does a lot with helping high school kids or something like that get to college. They support them and whatnot. Do yeah. You think, do you think more programs like that need to be in South Carolina per se? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I think there it, it starts, you know, when they're in the ninth grade and being able to. And again, it's, you know, we're, we, we're, we're probably alienating the non-athletes and we're probably alienating the people that don't play the big three sports. And, and I don't even consider baseball a big, you know, the big two, basically basketball right. and football. And I, I don't know if the, that it just, it just puzzles me that there's five and a half million people in the state of South Carolina. And you and I were jokingly, at the Panera Bread, not jokingly, but critically looking on the internet and saying there's only X number of players from, and we talk about Charleston County, which you're, you know, you're based out of in the Charleston metropolitan area that just continues to explode. I don't understand why we we can't here in the South Carolina low country be able to get more looks produce for lack more, of a better term. Produce, I, is produce it, more kids. Is it, is, say what? Yeah, produce more kids. Yeah, because there's enough bodies, right? And there's enough people playing ball. Right. And right. there, there, there appears to be. I, I don't, I don't have that answer. So, right. so I, I'm sorry to be evasive or go over no. the place. I don't. I mean, it would start. It, it, it starts with. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have an answer. And that's, and that's, and that's, a, that's a good answer and a, a subject that needs to be talked about more. And that's the reason why we ask these questions. But we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, our next topic is that's really huge in sports right now is is, uh, is mental health. You know, athletes that's really coming out now saying they need need to talk to somebody. And before it was looked down on because it wasn't considered tough. Um, how do you feel about this new um, this elephant in the room with mental health mental health and athletes? What do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? It's a it's a whole nother um, level of empathy that I have to, that, that me as a middle-aged man and an, uh, the Asian Marine background, uh, it, it's been something that I've really, really had to do some more, uh, get more in depth to educate myself right. because it, it obviously is a real, a real thing. And, and then COVID obviously has caused lots of problems for a lot of younger kids, younger folks with with mental health, being isolated, not being able to play their sport. So yeah, it's real. It's absolutely real. And we we had that incident with the um, the young lady in the Summer Olympics with gymnastics. Right. Um, and so I, we, you and I were raised in a background where, or raised in an, in an era where everything wasn't sensationalized by social media. Sure. Everything wasn't sensationalized by uh, it was for good and bad. Right. Right. And, and now these, these young people are constantly being able to be monitored and right. being constantly observed and critiqued. Right. So the level of criticism is higher than it's ever been. The level of accolades is higher than it's ever been, but the level of criticism is as is, is high as it's ever been. So I, I mean, it's, it's a real thing and it's something that, as people trying to get kids to the next level is we have to be aware of. For sure. For sure. You know, Mike, when I, when we first met, well, for when I first saw you, I saw you in Tanger. Um, yeah. Walking down. This, yeah. And um, yeah. I saw you, I ran up on you. I'm, I almost knocked you over. I was like, Mike Hostelow. Cause it was so, you know, media and marketing is, is, is huge. Right. And, and I want to, again, I always give you big ups that, you know, uh, my favorite one, is about um, you were in the shower or something and the phone rung and you reach your hand out of the shower and say, Mike Hostelow, you know, just showing, yeah, people, you're not that, me. showing people that you're always available, right? You're accessible, you're there when you need them. And, and people look at that and compare that to other lawyers, or other situations that maybe take a long time to respond or being, being evasive. Your marketing, your marketing tactic is that I'm always available, always available and I'm always there. So. I want to say this, and I don't want you to get get me in trouble, but I want to say I'm going to use this one right quickly. We continue okay, off. Uh, I hear you. This is Triple Threat Podcast with your male president. Let's have a conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like that, right? 
So yeah, we're having a conversation. Check this Be out. Be careful now. Dr. Dr. King's watching you. I got you. Check this Be out. Careful. So in 1977, um, ads for commercial speech began because it was outlawed before that, right? It called it, um, um, I guess, commercial speech, Bates versus um, State Bar of Arizona. So my question to you is because your media market is so powerful, how effective was that to you thus far, being that lawyers can advertise on TV now before they, 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 they weren't? Hey, what's up, guys? In our timeout session today, we got Marcus the Glove Woods. Let's hear all about it. It's going, and, and this is how I feel. Unless you come up with something that says every single person gets the same amount, or if you stagger it somehow, like you just said, 25000 50000 you know, because the punter or a kid that, that just barely got, you know, got the scholarship, his, his likeness is not as valuable as the next person's likeness, That's right? True. So you're still going to create inequities in itself, but right? If, good point. But what if... That's like that goes to the, the hardest worker. What that's if, how life is. Yeah, that's how life is. But I didn't. Correct. I was unaware of that cost of attendance stipend that you talked about. That absolutely changes the game on things, right? It absolutely changes the game. But what if there is a, a a standard blanket cost of attendance for all athletes, ten thousand, whatever it is? But if I'm a business major, if I'm a marketing major, and I play ball, I can't be limited to. Just that, if I got the, the, the means and smarts to go out and to get more. Correct. That's what it's all about. Now, would that affect my playing performance? Because now I'm focusing on this platform, the eat off. So I know what you mean. It gets so choppy and so crazy. It's and you can bring in, and you end up, do you invite at that point, if I can go out and make money on my own, if, if they're going to allow me to work a job, do you invite the big time boosters into this situation and say, all right, here, here's a job. We'll take care of it. So I, I do think, you know, there's something they have to do with that. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. We're looking at basketball. Now let's get back to the interview. Well, again, that comes back to, you know, a lot of people don't know how to get in touch with a lawyer. For sure. Right? And, and again, now that we have Google and now that we have, uh, you know, these other, all these mediums to get in touch, to, to gain access and get in touch with people. But in back in that era, they, if you didn't know a lawyer, you either had to look on a phone book right. and then call. And then one thing that, that brought me into this business, you know, I went to law school because I couldn't be a Marine and I was a history major. And I was like, oh God, what am I going to do? I'm going to go. And I went to night law school because my dad was, wasn't convinced I was wanted to be a lawyer. So I paid for it myself. But, but lawyers, you know, if you didn't come because I, I didn't come from that class. Right. I didn't know how to get in touch with a lawyer. I didn't know any lawyers. Right. So right. what it allowed people to do is, again, it goes back to, to giving kids access to information. It gave you access to information. For sure. And still I'm off, you know, people laugh at us or frown at us or make fun at us because I'm the guy jumping around on TV. But you know what? If, if not for that, I wouldn't get to help all those exactly. Thousand thirty-five thousand plus people I've gotten help in almost thirty years. Exactly. So, so it's given access to people that are just like me. Because at the end of the day, as fancy as I may become in this world, I'm still going to be that kid from Laurel Bay, for sure, shooting free throws, trying to make Ted and Ron his front yard, for right, sure. right. Sure. And my dad yelling at me. So I just, you know, so I don't know if that answered your question. Jamel, answered my question. I answered my question a lot. My, my my last question about that topic is that if Bates you know, didn't, you know, went to uh, the Supreme Court and fight for that law. Um, if it was still in place, how would you then be creative in reaching your audience? I, I'd figure it out, but I don't have, off the cuff, I don't know the answer. Right, I, mean, I, right. I would definitely have figured it out, but, but it was an opportunity, um, 
you know, I, I'm still as comfortable as I am, you know, uh, going back and forth with you about sports and meeting you up in Panera Bread or running to you in the street. Being a lawyer is still awkward for me. Mm. I, I don't know if that I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but That's it's still awkward for me. Right. Because mm. it's just not it's fighting for people's not awkward. Talking to anybody's not awkward, but just law in itself is not, you know, I. I mm. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it just talking to this nevertheless and furthermore and irrespective and all those words they taught us in law school just don't make any sense. And then I remember, I remember my parents having a legal transaction when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And we went to the lawyer's office, and this was when we first moved to Buford, and it involved a house. And the lawyer just talked to us in a way that I I, I thought, oh my God, you know, this guy. He's not even a human being. Mm. And, and I don't want to talk badly about lawyers, but I, no, I, I, I will. You're going to give me the chance. But <laughs> I just, what, what, what we try to do, Jamel, is, is again, break it down just like you and I broke it down, right? Sure. I'm a man. You're a man. We're people. Let's connect each other. Let's find some common ground. If I can help you, you can help me. Great. You know, because sure. that's what sure. we're here to do. So, sure. so we want to do from a legal services standpoint, we want to make it as simple as possible, make this traumatic event as easy as possible, and deliver it with with, with a smile. My That's pleasure, awesome. right? Like they say at Chick-fil-A. For sure. And and we talked in our in our conversation about, I don't know, it just seems like it's a sense of uh connection with you with the community. You know what I mean? You your your commercials, the way you talk and where your poises. And um the question is, is is why? Why why is such a, a community involvement and entanglement with your with your with your soul with your space per se you know what i mean like what is that that's who that's who my parents are man for sure for sure yeah that's who we are you know that's 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 who we are right my my i'm just a guy that always always taught to look at everybody is important right everybody's important everybody's sure. a person everybody everybody laughs everybody cries everybody feels and 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 what just because I'm Mike Costello and I spent all this money on TV and advertising, that doesn't make me any better than I was Mike Costello and Laurel Bay who couldn't make 10 free throws. I mean, right. I'm, I'm the same dude, right? right. That I was when right. I was 12. Right. So I'm, I'm never going to forget that. My dad would smack me if I ever became anything better than that. Right. And, and, and it's just, it's just who I am. It's, it's, I've seen my parents give back and be kind and extend regardless of the person's race, sex, rigid whatever we were just who we are right for sure we, we are who we are we're just we're just all people here trying to fight this thing called life and do it the best we can right and now just a question just because you know it's it's it's, it's, it's genuine it's, it's 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 reality and you know i think that draws people to you as a not just for business wise just for relationships and personal wise because you're you know you're down to earth and you know you you talk and you and you give your expertise and you're you know, most lawyers are merely, merely, you know, arms length off and not really as, as receptive. So that's the reason why I wanted to audience to hear that that response. I appreciate that. I mean, but 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 being disingenuous as a fancy lawyer word, or being not not being myself is exhausting, right? Oh. I'm not smart enough to. I, I, being genuine is is easy because sure. if you're something, if you're fake, you just get tired, and ultimately it's going to catch up to you. That's so right. I mean. I just didn't come. I came from a working class background. I worked for everything I got or, or I have. And, 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 and I've gotten a lot of blessings and a lot of people that have, have given me opportunities. Like we started this conversation with coaches that took their time to help me with little things, big things, whatever. And, and I mean, I, we talked about this too, I think, is the two biggest influences in my life are two coaches that I've never even met, Mm. but on my wall in my office, I have a Vince Lombardi, the great Packer coach about Mm. winning isn't everything. And then John Wooden, the great basketball coach, who I view as the greatest teacher and greatest basketball coach of all time, the pyramids of success Mm. and the pyramids of success. Don't talk anything about basketball. Mm. I mean, when he says, uh, what does he say? Rush, but don't be in a hurry. Right. That doesn't have anything to do with basketball, but it does. For sure. And 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 you talk about like the the generally regarded as greatest coach of this generation is is Nick Saban. Right. And when you, whenever you watch him speak, you're not talking to somebody that's a football coach. You're talking to somebody that's a that's a leader of of men. 
For sure. Right? And that's what I want to become. I mean, I envy those guys. And even though I have my small opportunity to give back and my small opportunity and influence, um, I'm going to do the best I can. I mean, because that's That's awesome. You and I together. For sure. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In closing, Mike, we got something called the oatmeal recipe, which we designed um, that goes along, again, with basketball, but again, with life, too. And there's three ingredients, um, skill skill development, um, education, and nutrition. So I want to give uh, each one of those and give you a a time to just respond to each one of them. And we can start with um, skill development. Here's, you know, skill development is identifying, you know, your clients, identifying your staff, identifying what's right and what's wrong and making a decision on them. That's, that's, that happens every day. You have to be a, a skilled and be a great lawyer. How important is skill development to you and, 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 and what you do for, for a living? So the greatest, the greatest um, thing that, I, I think the, the hardest thing that we do in our business is we are, I think when you go to law school, they, they, they sell you this, this, this bag of goods that you're going to wear a suit every day and you're going to be a corporate lawyer and be dealing with sophisticated transactions and people of high intellect and big business deals. Well, no, that's untrue. So 99% of us that are gonna go to law school are gonna sit across from a table from an average dude like my dad or an average dude like like me who's been in some situation that needs help. And the greatest one thing that they don't teach in law school is communication. Mm. Okay. Mm. How to talk to people. Mm. Now talking for me has never been hard. (laughs) So, so, so I've never been, you know, I've always had the gift for gap. So our, our biggest struggle in our development of our kids that, that work in our office, work with me in our office is communication. And you take these wonderfully talented kids that can read a lot of books and tell you about the the cases in this book and the law in this book or how the sophistication of the laws work and statutes and all this but they seem to have a difficulty communicating on a basic level with people Hmm. so that's that's no different than the guy that can jump high and run fast but he can't handle the ball or he can't sure. shoot or he can't, you know. For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna die, the, the most obvious example, I'm gonna go on a tangent here is, there's a kid that plays, uh, Josh Allen that plays for the Bills. Yeah. Quarterback for the Bills. So when he came up from Wyoming, he was, he had all the raw skills, right? He was six foot three and he was 240 pounds and he ran fast and he had a strong arm, but he lacked the, the, the minutia as they call it, the ball mm. skills. Mm. And, and, and he got coached up and now he's great. Mm. Right. And I look at no basketball is the same way, right? The fundamentals, right? The fundamentals are football, blocking and tackling basketball, ball handling, defense, free throw shooting, right? Learning how to play, you know, it's, it's, there's just so many little new little, little things that, but the, the greatest struggle that we have from our business standpoint is, is teaching people how to communicate. Awesome. Um, my second one is education, you know, about education, about laws and you know, your line of work is all about education. Things change daily. How important is education to you and how do you apply it to your craft? So again, back to our kids in our, in our, in our law firm, um, I went to the university of Georgia. I was a 
two point nothing student. And I went to a night law school. Not one time in 29 years, this is my 30th year, has anybody asked me where I went to school, what kind of grades I made? Okay, not one time, one time. They always ask me, can I? Can you help me? Can you can you solve my problem? Right. Okay. I think I think the education of life, just learning how to emotional intelligence is a big thing. Right. Right. So so again, you can have the smartest guy, smartest lady, greatest credentials, greatest grades, men's uh, 200 IQ, but if they don't have emotional intelligence and and be able to handle themselves in crisis and adversity, one, and then be able to step in that other person's shoes and have empathy and understanding, then you're not very effective. That's awesome, awesome. That makes sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Last one is nutrition. And we know how important nutrition is, especially with, with athletes, even with you know somebody that's you know doing some in corporate America. What I hate is seeing someone, um, and no, not judging, but I'm just saying, seeing someone you know, in the Mercedes Benz or a Range Rover, and they pull up in the, in the Burger King parking lot. Like, I don't know. That's just kind of kind of weird to me because you put all that money into your car, but putting less money into your body. You put all that garbage that in your body you, that helped you get helped you get get that car. So, how important is nutrition to you? So you take, you know, I, I again, as we as we're the whole purpose of this conversation today is to edge, as we're ha- let's have a conversation is about to teach these young people that what they put in their body is very, very, very important. And I'm not, you know, cause I will go through a fast food restaurant and get a drive through when I got a, I got a hankering for, you know, a quarter pound of cheese or a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I mean, so I'm, I'm guilty, but I will say that for three months, I, I, I became a vegan as a bet. I did feel pretty awesome for those three months. For sure. And, uh, you know, you, you have a lot of famous athletes, uh, you know, from Cam Newton to, uh, their, you know, I think LeBron's a vegan, yeah. if I'm mistaken. I, I think, yeah. Yeah, so so a lot of these famous athletes have gone the route of nutrition. Tom, Tom Brady's probably the most famous example of somebody that has taken diet and exercise and 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 longevity to, to almost say, uh, you know, new height, incomprehensible height, right? right? And but it shows in his performance. I mean, he's 44 yeah. years old and he just quit and he was on top of his game. So I, I just think um, we know again, everything goes back to information and the power sure. of that information. We know now more than we did when you and I were kids. For sure. So, so the ability to be able to have access to information and find out that information and and the benefits of eating right versus not eating right and how your muscles don't repair and how you know all those things so yeah i'm i i I don't always practice what i preach but i'd like to eat healthy when i can for sure for sure well mike that'll do us for today as i think there was great information and what you give us from you know when you first start coming up to your uh, middle school high school collegiate now professional career um yeah just want to thank you for coming on and um, it's not a it's not a commercial, but if you want to, uh, you know, just what do you got to say to the to to the viewers? You know, um, any last thing you want to say to the viewers? No, no, this is not about my law firm, Mike Hustle. No, not at all. No, no, not at all. This is about the only thing I the only thing I want people to know is that that it you know the young lady that helped me set up this podcast today mm. said you you are so involved in other things other than law. Awesome. I don't want being a successful lawyer to define who I am, mm-hmm. right? right. I, that's not who I am. Right. What I want to do is, is I, I just got an email, Jamel, the other day of a young man that went to Battery Creek High School, my alma mater, that we had a sneaker drive for them because they all we wanted them to all wear the same kind of Nikes, right? For sure. And we had a sneaker drive, and that was about five years ago. He is now an aspiring junior at Claflin University, that's awesome. and he wants to go – to, med- to law school. That's awesome. So he sent me an email and we're going to talk about him coming to enter our office. That's awesome. So that's, that's the message I want to send is, 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 is opportunity. My, 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 my great father says, there's no such thing as luck. Opportunity is, is, is luck is when opportunity meets preparation. For sure. So you're going to get looks in life and there's good, there's great people like you that are willing to take chances on young people Make sure you take advantage of that young person, sure. you know, that that opportunity. Because sure. it is not, it's, it, yeah, you know, there's some luck, 
But most of it is when that, when you know some opportunities looking you in the eye, take it. Right. And, and, and they're going to be, they're going to be, there's a lot of great people like you out there helping kids. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll do our own bit of good. For sure. We'll, well change the low, we'll, we'll change the low country. For sure. Well, the thing is, when you're, when you're always ready, you never got to get ready, right? There you that's, go. That's the main thing. And that message, there you go. the message you just stated is just, is just exactly what we, what we was looking for. Okay. Well, God bless you. Stay safe. I'll, I'll hit you up when I'm back up there. For and sure. We'll, I appreciate we'll your connect. time. Yes, I wore sir. a hoodie just like you today. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. <laughs> I got you, big guy. All right. Stay, stay safe. You too. Thank you again. All right, man. Bye-bye. All right, Mike. Bye. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. We want to thank Mike for being a guest and sharing his wealth of knowledge with our audience. Just think, there are a lot of students out there that have similar situations. They just don't know where to go and don't know how to get there. It's almost like having a first class ticket and a tank full of gas, but no direction to the airport. We at day we have the GPS. Don't forget to subscribe to the Triple Threat Podcast on your favorite listening platform. We are live on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. That's Triple Threat spelled three R I P L E three H R E A T. Triple Threat Podcast. We'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of a youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.